Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Ark Church. Good to see you again. All right, so let me address the obvious elephant in the room. Um, I get it. Pastor kid comes up and preach. And some of you are like, well, this church is going downhill. Uh, <laughs> if you've grown up in church, at least sometimes you can feel that way. Um, and, and, and I'm thankful for my parents. Uh, my parents were never the type to uh, be like, well, hey, my baby's just, oh, my baby's an angel. You know the parent, they, kind of, they go into a kid's ministry, they'll check him in, they're like, mm, my baby's an angel. And you're like, well, so was Lucifer. Uh, so, <laughs> and those kids are always the ones you have to call the parents back. You're like, hey, they were hitting everybody below the belt during worship. So if you can come pick them up, that'd be great. You got your tag? Um, so I, my parents were not, they were not that type. They were not the, you know, my babies are perfect and, and they'd throw us up here. So I understand it can be a bit uncomfortable when you hear that one of the sons come to come preach. Because maybe you've been in, I've been in church services, other churches where that's happened. Or someone's like, oh, my baby's going to come sing. And they come sing. And you're like, man, I just... I'd rather swan dive in a concrete than go through that again. Uh, it can be rough. And I'm thankful my parents are not like that. So, hey, even if you don't like this message, consider it like a, you know, it's like a burnt waffle. You're just going to take it and throw it away. It's easy to make another one. Uh, so we're going to have a good time. Um, be with that. I do want to say this, and I believe, it's, I believe it's more important maybe for me to say than it is for you to hear. Um, I, I'm, I'm very thankful. I was, I was gone and in college and pastoring elsewhere for about nearly a decade, and I'm very thankful to be back here. Um, this is a good church, um, and I don't know really how no other way to say it, but when you see the senior pastors up here, and I know if you're new, I encourage you to come next week. Um, when you see them, that's, that's them. I mean, I, they're, they're really not faking it. Like that banter between them and the early, like that's, that's them. I, my parents, are, they're not faking it. It, it, it really is them. And, and I understand. In a large church and there's nice things, you could think that we're trying to sell you a product. We're not. We're preaching Jesus. And people put their lives and full hearts into doing ministry. And can I encourage you, you might think and come with, it might, where you've come from, maybe you don't like church, maybe you've come from a different church, and there could be things you've brought in here. Can I encourage you that this is not that. This is not a perfect church. I've been to the sausage factory. I know that. It's not a perfect church. But this is a good church. It's a very good church that loves Jesus and doesn't do it perfectly. And the, and the leadership here, the leadership here, actually, that's who they are. It really is. Bumps, bruises, and all. I grew up in that house. And consider it like this. I would not move my family back here from a church I also loved in Angleton, loved Life Church. I would not move my family back here if they were fake. I wouldn't. I would not put my whole family back here. I wouldn't put it in a place of danger. So if that encourages you or maybe you've been more of a skeptic, I hope it does. Because it's, this is a good house. It's not perfect. We've got bumps, bruises, we've got problems. People go here. People go here. <laughs> People go here. I've, I'm encouraged in this. The church is the encouragement of my faith, not the foundation. The foundation of my faith is Jesus. And the, so when people, things happen, they happen. And with that too, 
In Ephesians 1, it says that Jesus, all things have been put under, underneath his feet. He's been given head over all the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, meaning the church is a part of Jesus. And I understand people come with different thoughts and, and pains, and maybe that's something you're walking through right now. Can I encourage you that the church is a part of knowing Jesus? We follow a perfect Savior, not a perfect people. And if you get with Jesus, you will start to see through the bumps and the bruises and the imperfections, and you'll see the beauty of the church because you are the church. So, Psalm 23 is what we're going through today. Psalm 23, uh, verse 4 particularly. So Psalm 23 is the, the Lord is my shepherd passage. I'm going to be using that a lot. I don't want to lose anybody in in speak, so it's the Lord is my shepherd. Um, the other passage in Scripture, now Jesus refers to himself as a shepherd in John 10, 11. So the way David, King David, wrote this psalm, Psalm 23, and he's referring to the Lord as a shepherd. Jesus in John 10, 11 refers to himself as a shepherd. So when I talk about shepherd, I'm talking about God. When I'm talking about sheep and the flock, Scripture refers to us as sheep. I know it's not your favorite masculine term. It's part of it. It's he refers to us as sheep and we follow the shepherd. But there's a verse in there, I want to hang on it. And the word is living and active, like it says in Hebrews 4.12, sharpen than any two-edged sword, discerning of the spirit and soul, the joint and a marrow, and the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, meaning that we can hang on one piece of the Bible for 30 minutes and it will be good, even if you've heard it a million times. Um, Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, here's, here's some of the issue I had with this. Now, as a church, and I believe wholeheartedly what I'm going to say, we preach the goodness of God. We preach the blessings, the favor, the grace, and the mercy, because we believe that scripturally it is true, and it is. And that God ultimately is a loving and a caring God, and Jesus paid it all for you. Now, we preach the goodness of God a lot. And sometimes people have thought, and the critique of the church has been, that it's, we try to avoid the suffering of life. And actually, no, it's in contrast to that. That we know that life is tough. We know that life is hard. We know that you'll walk through pain. Which is why we preach the goodness of God. Because I don't have to tell you that most likely you were beat nine ways to Sunday before you got here. That people are going through things. Now, as a child growing up, hearing so much about the goodness of God, I developed a wrong theology, which was, God is so good, I will only have good in my life and no problems. And that's not correct. It's not. In fact, Jesus in John 16, 33, he says this. He says, in me you will have peace, but you will also have tribulation. In the world, you will have tribulation. Actually, one translation, I believe it's NLT, says trials and sorrow. Jesus guarantees you will go through pain. And I had a problem with that. Because if God is so good, then if I'm obeying God, if I'm following all the right rules, if I'm doing all the right things, then naturally I won't be in any problems or pain. I will avoid going through valleys, and it's not true. I do believe scripture says, and it does, that his yoke is light, that a life with Jesus is better, greater, and easier than a life without him. I live and die by that statement, but it does not mean that we avoid pain. It doesn't. And it does not mean that when you go through pain that you're out of the will of God. 
And I started to blame the Lord in the midst of, I remember I was in Africa, I had a head cold during a month-long mission trip. I'm in the bush. I mean, deep on the side of Tanzania. Want to ask a few away if anyone speaks Swahili. Uh, but we're deep into Tanzania. We're there. I have a virus from a foreign country, which is, I don't know, most people's nightmare. Uh, so I have a virus there that I don't know what it is. And I'm sitting in a bed after a head cold, got a virus. I'm taking medicine that's kicking up stomach ulcers that I used to have. So there's almost internal bleeding happening from the medicine that's supposed to be helping with the virus. And so I'm in it, suffering and pain. I'm crying out to healing unto God. And when I did not get my healing, I started blaming him. Because I said, I'm following all the rules. I'm following, I'm here doing a missions trip. There's no UNICEF photos of me with kids right now, but I'm here doing a missions trip. And I'm, I'm trying to spread New Testament, we're spreading New Testament Swahili Bibles. I'm doing the right things And I started to blame God and to think that because I was suffering, that I was out of the will of God and I was wrong. That suffering is not proof, always, that you're out of the will of God. There are times where we do it to ourselves. There are times where we miss it, where we don't hear right. We're trying to listen to the Lord and we make the wrong decision. But thank God, his mercies are new every day. I know I need it. And so with that, uh, I, thought of, I thought of this one. I know it's been shared here too. And, um, uh, Jim Stockdale was, was the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton during Vietnam. I believe, and please don't quote me on this, I believe he's around there seven years of prisoner of war. And they asked him, why did you outlast so many others? And he said the ones that actually passed away first were the optimists. He said the one, I know that's not encouraging me, walk with me here. Uh, everyone's like, wow, this Sunday's awful. Uh, so the, no, just walk with me here. So the optimists, they would be like, by Christmas, we're going to get out. And Christmas would come and they wouldn't. By Easter, we're going to get out. Easter would come and they wouldn't. By Halloween, they'd set new dates and it wouldn't happen. And they'd die of a broken heart. And he, he quoted this, he said, You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. He said the difference with him was he believed that he would get out, but he was honest that he didn't know when. There's a difference in that. And... When I had to kind of come to that realization, it, it helped me, helped me realize things about God better. I'd, the one who's writing in this scripture in Psalm 23 is, is King David. David knows exactly going through valleys. Here's some things about David in his life. David as a child um, was anointed king. While there was still another king, was King Saul, who rebelled against God, anointed chi- as a child. His dad rejected him. Um, the prophet called all the sons of the house. His dad left him out in the field. So rejected as a child, pretty obviously, anointed king as he, at a young age, and not many people had recognized it. Um, fought Goliath as a boy, uh, killed him, thankfully, with the help of the Lord, but caught a giant. The king, the, four, the king at that time tried to kill him till that king itself was dead, King Saul. 
The, he was best friends with King Saul's son, who he also lost, and his son Jonathan, who David considered like a brother. David also was in constant war against foreign kings pretty much his whole life. David also had an affair, and then she got pregnant from a one-night stand. He kills her husband, tries to hide the whole thing. A prophet comes, puts him on blast publicly in front of the whole kingdom. He loses the child, then marries the the woman that he widows. Oh, and don't worry, it gets better. And then he, with his life, his first son, Amnon, did an atrocious thing with his half-sister, because there's many wives, Old Testament, yay. Uh, so um, Amnon with his half-sister, Amnon did that. Well, Absalom, the third son, kills the first son out of revenge and then starts a rebellion to take over the kingdom of, that David had. So now David's on the run again. Then Absalom dies, so first and third son are dead. Then the fourth son, Adonijah, tries to start a coup and overrun the kingdom because he heard that. I don't even know his number, how many sons he had. He had a lot of wives. Now he said, but Solomon... The child from the woman he widowed, Bathsheba, the second child, that odd marriage, was anointed to be king, and Adonijah tried to overthrow him. And then eventually, after David died, Solomon warned Adonijah not to do anything and executed him because Adonijah did something. So this family went through some valleys, right? They went through, he went through some stuff. His life was constantly going through battles. But if you notice how he writes the scriptures, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I believe scripture, scripture says this about David. It calls a man after God's own heart. And I don't believe it's because he was a perfect man. He obviously wasn't. And it didn't say it because he just lived his life in pure victory with no problems. He had tons of problems. He did live in victory because I believe Scripture talks well of David because he knew the heart of the Father. That he knew the Lord was the one who brought him through. And he knew that the Lord was good. David was a flawed man, but I believe he understood the Lord. And that speaks a lot to me, the things we go through. In Psalm 27.1, it even says this. So David's writing this. It says, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear and whom shall I be afraid? He knew where his help comes from. He knew who brought him through. David knew he couldn't do it by his own hand. And that's powerful. That's how he ended up being alive by the end of his life. He's because of the Lord. And he, he had wonderful prayers and sorrows and things. If you go through the Psalms as he stretches out laments and praises God, but he never turned his back on the Lord. He knows that the Lord is good and knows that he's the reason he's alive and he's the reason he's gone through valleys. So we don't go around valleys. We go through them, but then there's... There's something else that can happen. There's another mentality where people like to think that their life is only valleys. That's all there is. Or you've made a home and a place that cannot sustain you. When um, my daughter was born, she's about three and a half now, um, we were in the NICU at Texas Women's. 
intensive NICU. It was a uh, surprise emergency C-section. And um, this was our miracle baby. We didn't, uh, my wife at one point was told she wasn't going to have kids. And this is, this is the kid we're having. This is the miracle baby. And, I mean, I could even close my eyes now. And you go in the NICU, and it's in the intensive unit. There's two levels. We were in the intensive one. And, and we go in, and, it, and it's warm in there. And, and there's machines going off, and there's babies. And I'm looking at her. And it's not feeling miraculous. I'm missing the miracle. I'm, I'm afraid. And it's the first time we met. And the Lord did... Let's just say this. At one point in time, we didn't even know if she'd be able to walk. There were a lot of diagnoses that were atrocious that all just came at once. And the Lord has and continues to do an absolute miracle in my child's life through her health. And we were out to get out of the NICU in seven days, and that was a blessing. But I noticed six months later, I hadn't left that my soul was still in the valley. I remember a friend trying to celebrate the beauty of uh, his child being born, and I couldn't. I, I was weeping on the inside because it was so painful. I mean, it sounds humorous, but this is what I thought. Um, you know, my wife, who actually went through the labor uh, and, and went through all the pain of it, was doing better than I was. And I remember being in the hospital, and she's hooked up and got medicine, and my, my daughter's in the NICU, and she's got nurses taking care of her and got medicine. And I'm like, where's, where's dad's drugs? Because <laughs> they got this chair made for crash dummies that's not comfortable I'm sleeping on, <laughs> and I'm trying to process what just happened. And, but I realized six months later I hadn't left. That part of my soul thought that this is just the lot of my life, that we had to go through the faith of even believing we were going to have a child. And here comes another valley that I wasn't ready for and didn't know. And my soul, even though the Lord had done good work, my soul hadn't left it. And there's something interesting about shepherds. I want to give you perspective on Max Lucado did a study about shepherds. And a good shepherd knows that in springtime, that when sheep have eaten and eaten well, and it's usually patches of grass, not these massive green pastures, but patches of grass, just enough. In this time in Israel on the Mediterranean, they would know that in springtime had gone bare, that they would have to make a multi-day journey through valleys to get to a mountainous area for them to eat well into the fall. And in the valleys are wolves and lions and adders and all kinds of enemies. Adders that would pop out of the hole and bite uh, and try to kill sheep when they're eating grass. You have wolves attacking from different sides. You have, oh goodness, you have lions, which existed in that area in itself trying to attack sheep. So you are going through valleys for it's a multi-day journey to get to the mountains, to where the sheep can eat. But good shepherds know you don't stop in the valley because that's where the enemies are. That's where the sheep are attacked, and that's not where the food is. The valleys can't sustain the sheep. And I realized that my soul was still in a valley. And I felt depleted. Because I'm in a place that cannot sustain me. I've, I believe this. When it comes to the deep wounds of life, I believe that time can be a a cheap band-aid 
of a deep wound. You know, the divorce might have been years ago. Your kid might have walked away from the Lord. Finances are tough. You can put any time length on that. But if your soul, if your heart hasn't moved on, it doesn't matter, does it? You still feel it deep within you. And I had to come to a place of getting before the Lord and said, I cannot live here. My soul can't live here. I can't grieve anymore. And a verse comes out, and this is in a, the, the Lord gave this verse in a time when actually Israel was far away from the Lord, rebelling against him, rejecting him at all costs. There was false prophets pumping hot air of like, everything's great when actually correction was coming. And this scripture actually spoke really well to me because even in the midst of the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit was not dwelling with every single person that believed in him, but you see that he says, am I, Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24, says, am I a God at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him? says the Lord. Do not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. What he's saying is, is I'm right here. I'm right here. Even in the midst of rebellion, he's right there. He says, I can see you. I'm not a God far off. And one of the things that I had to come to get through the valley of one of the most painful things I had to walk through and questions I did not have answers to was I had to get with the Lord and then recognize his presence is with me. That when I became a believer in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit became alive within me, that the presence of God is with me wherever I go at all times. And I can believe that truth that he is an all-knowing, all-present God, that he is with me and sees my situation and sees my tears. And here's my cry. And that was good because also in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So it's in presence we see he walks us through valleys. The second one is protection and correction. It says, uh, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used to beat off enemies. Wolves, attackers. The staff, and he's, you know, crook kind of staff with the, with the hook. If you ever did like Halloween night or Halloween at a church, you saw a million people dressed as shepherds. And so um, they had a staff and they had the hook right here. Well, the hook was used to bring in the sheep to pull them in, pull them out of ditches, pull them in the right direction, that they would be a flock together because lone sheep get picked off. And what I love is that the rod represents protection, the staff represents correction. What's interesting about the rod is the rod is not for sheep. It's for wolves. That many times we go through valleys and we think it's the Lord. We think it's the shepherd that's beating us. No, it's the valley that's the shadow of death. It's the enemy that hates you that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not God. And can I say something that's going to ruffle some serious feathers here? But I've seen too much work in the New Testament of Jesus healing and casting out demons to believe that the sickness placed on kids and the cancer placed on people is from the Lord for him to undo his own will. That doesn't make sense. Jesus healed too many people and cared and loved too many people. <laughs> I can't go in that direction. We don't have time. 
We can't too many people. He's not working against his will. He's good. The things you're walking through are valleys. The issues you are going through are problems and pains. But the shepherd's the one who brings us through. The shepherd's the one that protects us. The shepherd's the one that corrects us and puts us in line. The shepherd's the one that knows the way. The sheep do not know the way through the valley, but the shepherd does. I did not know my way on how to handle through the depression and the sorrow of the NICU and health bills that stacked up beyond my imagination, but the Lord did. And I have been on the other side and know that we go through valleys. We do not make homes in them. We go through them. And the only way we go through them is the Lord. And I really, I really want to emphasize the rod is for the wolves. It's not for the sheep. You are going through a difficult time. Doesn't mean that's the Lord's hand doing it against you. There is a second part. It's the staff. It's for correction. Now, correction is not everyone's favorite word for obvious reasons. But correction is good. Scripture also says that the Lord loves him he corrects. See, because, like I said, the shepherd knows the way to the valley. The sheep do not. The sheep are safe. The sheep end up to the mountain because they follow the shepherd. And the shepherd knows that some sheep will just kind of wander. If you've ever seen them, they'll just kind of walk around and go in a different direction. But like I said before, lone sheep get picked off. And you can wander around in the pain of your life, but until you see what the Lord's trying to show you and bring you close to him and provide you with protection and you can receive what he has for you, you will wander in valleys your whole life and you weren't meant to be sustained there. So if you're dry, if you feel tired, if you feel like it's heavy, it's because it is. But know that the Lord can guide you through it better than any other sheep ever could and show you to the other side that there is a place to be fed. There is a mountain on the other side of valleys. There is a goodness of God, even in the midst of valleys. And then in the midst of your own pain and struggle, you can turn to him and know the goodness of who he is. In Psalm 91, Verses 14 through 16. It says, because he has, set my love, he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's this message right there that you might, you might look at your life and believe me, if you've ever been in the NICU, it's sometimes hard to see the light. If you've ever looking at your life and, and you're like, I'm, I'm there, I'm in a valley, get close to the shepherd. Draw close to the Lord. If not for you, for your kids. One of the reasons I'm here is because I know the Lord led me. But one of the reasons I was encouraged to be here and come back is because I knew 
through smiles and pain, through many tears and laughter, my parents drew close to the Lord. And even when I doubted and wanted no part of this, I still had that question of like, man, but there's something about God and the way they connect with them. There's something about the things they've walked through that is beyond their intelligence, gifts, and abilities that has to be something more. And that testimony speaks well because it's encouraged me to stick in my own faith into my older age. So if it's not, if, it, if, if maybe you struggle to do it for yourself, do it for the next one. Do it for the next generations that, that care and love about you. We'll, we'll begin to close if you'll bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to pray over you actually right now, and then we're going to keep praying, and I'll just pray over this situation. we got people from multiple generations. You have different issues. The prayer requests that come in each week can be heart-wrenching and painful. We pray over you. We love you. And right now, I just want to pray over you wherever you're at. Father, I thank you so much for the people in this room. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of who you are. Thank you, Father, that you care and you love these people so deeply. I pray they draw near to you. When they read the scriptures, it comes alive. When they pray, they know it's not hitting the ceiling. They know it's resonating deep within them. Thank you so much for the goodness of who you are. Let us see it with fresh eyes and hear it with clear ears and receive it deep well within our soul. In Jesus' name, and with head bowed and eyes closed still, I want to just offer the opportunity. Maybe you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe this is the time, the surety your soul needs to know, I have to come back. I want you at this time to raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. This is not a moment where we just need to make a show of it. But if you would raise your hand, we as a congregation... We'll pray together over you, with, with you in this moment to believe. And it says in Romans that you said, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If that's you, if you raise your hand, we're going to pray right now as a church family. All together, even if it's just one person, believe me. The first time I led someone to salvation, it was hundreds of people praying for one person, and I'd do it all over again. So we're going to pray together as a church family. It says, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven, and I have a relationship with you. I am a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.